The scripture reading this morning is going to be from the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. There are some things that are always a part of a Christian's life, and there are some things that can never be a part of a Christian's life. And we would do well to hold some really decisive positions on just about all of that. I love the idea, the phrase, drawing a line in the sand. It just sounds like a pivotal moment, something that makes for a great scene in a movie, right? And there's kind of a reason for that. There's a little bit of debate about where it comes from, where the phrase actually originates. One option is a legend that comes from India where there is one little G God who draws a line on the dirt around the house of another little G God to protect her from the evil forces. They can't cross that line. Uh, Another is a legend from the Roman Empire when uh, the Roman general drew a line in the sand around an invading king and said, if you step across that line, you better be ready for war, right? You step out of that circle. Uh, And then there's another one, uh, because Americans always have to have our own legend for something. There's another one from the Texas Battle of the Alamo. When the American colonel refused to surrender, even though he knew he was going to be defeated, he drew out his battle sword, drew a line in the sand and said, if you want to stay here, come on this side of the line with me. If you're ready to surrender, go on that side. And it's just one of those decisive kind of moments, right? That here you shall come and no further. This is where, this is where the game changes. This moment matters. That's why I kind of think... I kind of think the idea behind the phrase echoes the Bible's account of God creating the world, right? Job chapter 38 and verse 8, the Lord says to Job, who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Talk about a literal line in the sand. God stops the ocean with a line of sand. And that's far from the only occasion when God draws a clear line and says, this is where this shall go and it shall go no farther. It's something that you see God doing through the whole Bible, that he draws a line. And he makes creation clearly aware of where that line is. Regardless of the true origin of the phrase, the line in the sand, it's easy to tell that the phrase represents a moment with some gravity. And since it's part of God's own behavior, I think there's something in that that is worth us imitating. That idea of drawing clear lines, making immutable well-defined borders for various things in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I just kind of want to answer, I kind of want to do three things with that. Number one, answer, why should a Christian want to do that? Number two, where are some places where it's wise to do that? And number three, I want to offer you a few warnings about some of our negative tendencies 
even when we're attempting to do the right thing. So let's start with why. Perhaps the best way to explain what I mean all of the, in all of this is just to explain what the Scriptures say that make it an important idea. Why should we be concerned with drawing clear lines in matters of righteousness? And I think practically... Or rather, I think uh, on the fundamental level, we want to talk about this. We want to be aware of this because the Bible practically commands it, at least at some level. Now, this whole principle is never given exactly the straightforward explanation that I'm giving it this morning, but you do see it demonstrated in a compelling way in several places. Here are just a couple of memorable examples. In Job chapter 31, in the first verse, Job says, in defense of his integrity... I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? What would my portion from, what would be my portion from God above and my heritage from the Almighty on high? You see what Job did there is set the boundaries between himself and sexual immorality, but he set those boundaries way back from the sin itself. And he created an insulating layer of behavior between himself and anything that is outright sinful. If he's drawn the line at looking before he even looks at a woman who isn't his wife, then there is no chance that he will cross the line into anything more inappropriate than that. And Jesus himself gives instruction along a very similar thought line in his mountain message. This from Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, he continues, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you that one of, to lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And so, practically speaking... It's kind of one of those things that, yes, it's a good idea and God leaves us to kind of figure out where that needs to happen. But the reality is that this needs to happen. (laughs) There are some matters of morality that are just not worth playing with fire and getting as close as you can without getting burned. There's some matters of morality that are just commanded, it seems, that we would draw lines to keep ourselves away from that. And secondly, not only is it commanded, secondly, it is commended. God commends this sort of behavior. There's a story that we looked at earlier, uh, I guess last year in 2017 from Jeremiah chapter 35, where God brings in a family and he tells the priests to bring them in the temple, set wine before them, have them take a drink. And they say, we won't do it. We don't drink wine. And they don't because their ancestor several generations before had told them, I don't want any member of this family ever to drink wine or to live in houses or to settle down or any of that. And the passage here that you see on the screen in verse 14 of that chapter, the Lord commends them for having set those boundaries. And he says the command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept and they drink none to this day for they have obeyed their father's command. He commends it so much that he uses it as a critique of his own people. He says, I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I just find it really interesting and really compelling that God uses this family as a template for the faithfulness that he would expect from his own people. Because while the law of Moses never forbade people from living in houses, it never forbade them from drinking wine... 
This family's ancestor saw the injustices and the indulgences of his day, and he wanted to insulate his family from that kind of behavior. And so he drew very clear lines, and thankfully the family kept within them. And I'll just tell you honestly, I think when our motivations are right, I believe that God is pleased when we make similar efforts. Now, I'm going to come back to that idea of our motivations being right in just a minute, but let's just go ahead and notice the point. And then thirdly here, why would we do this? Thirdly, it ought to matter to us because keeping our faith and passing it on to others demands, brothers and sisters, that we draw some clear lines. I don't know if everybody is fully aware, I don't know if I am, to be perfectly honest, of all of the continual battles that are being waged all over the Western world between people who are trying to hold on to the standards of faith and those uh, who are proponents of the sexual revolution in all of its various forms. I don't know if any of us are fully aware of how many stories are actually in the world news to say that religion is increasingly being opposed in the Western world. Now, I don't know if I, can, if I can say confidently that our society is morally crumbling faster than any other society has in the past, but I do think that it's easy to see that there are areas in our current culture where society continues, society's wickedness continues to increase and continues to gain the majority favor. And with that being the case... While that should disgust us to see wickedness running so rampant, it shouldn't surprise us to see that. Because Paul told Timothy that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Brothers and sisters, we were always destined to see that happening around us. And so Christians have always needed to draw some clear lines in the sand regarding some elements of the culture that we will not connect with. We will not connect with our culture on some things. And the reason for that is because the preservation of our faith as individuals counts on it and Perhaps even more so, the preservation of the faith as a practiced institution as it should be depends on the fact that we draw some clear lines. And particularly in our modern culture, in the matters of sexuality and all different things that are confusing and, and have been confused about that, we need to make sure that we have a very clear biblical understanding and that we will not, we will not compromise it. Because we have chosen to draw some clear lines. And so how is that going to work? Well, that's kind of my explanation there of how it works in our society. You see then in all of that why we need it. Let me show you a couple of other areas of our lives where this needs to happen. We need to be willing to draw clear lines in matters of honesty. Tell the truth. And then tell the truth. And then tell the truth. We need to be willing to draw clear lines in that. We need to be willing to draw clear lines in matters of church attendance. Whether you are the head of a family or you are all on your own, you need to draw a clear line and decide what you're going to do about that. What's going to be the practice on that? We need to be willing to draw clear lines that preserve sound biblical doctrine. 
Things like which day is biblically the Lord's day of worship. Things like whether the church will or will not become like the kingdoms of this world. Things like where salvation and joy are really found. That it's not in a government, it's not in any level of income, and it's not in the ever-changing philosophies of today's academics elites. It is in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's it. Draw the line and let's hold that line. By the way, I just heard a news report on Friday. I thought this one was very interesting. Just talking about how much we look for salvation and joy and fulfillment in other places than Jesus. Great Britain, just this past week, appointed to their government, their federal government, a minister of loneliness. That's a little bit funny, but have you ever heard a sadder headline? That that's where we're looking to fulfill us. And to find any sort of meaning in life. Brothers and sisters, we're not looking to find partial meaning in other areas and our main meaning in Christ. We're looking to find meaning and purpose and salvation and joy in Him. Let's draw a clear line on that. And let's hold that line. I think it's wise for Christians to draw clear lines when it comes to the way that we think about debt. You've got to decide if it's wise to have debt at all. You've got to decide how much is wise. You've got to decide how long you're going to keep it. How much is or is not in the way of you doing good deeds for the poor and for your brethren. You have to draw some clear lines about that. In terms of parenting, I think it's pretty easy to see that we have to draw some really clear lines. There are certain types of behavior and certain types of speech that will be punished, even if we're in public. Okay, There are certain types of behavior that our children will participate in. They will do certain things. They will fulfill certain responsibilities. Even if begrudgingly, we will train them to do good deeds for others and in any number of other things. We want to draw clear lines on these matters. As Christian parents, there are certain words that we must decide our children will not speak. There are certain ways that our children will dress. There are certain good deeds that they will be made and trained to do. There are certain assemblies of Christians that they will attend. And the point here is not for me to choose which ones of those, you know, you, where you draw the lines for your children. I can give you some advice and give you my perspective on it. But the point is to say that, brothers and sisters, we have to make the decisions and draw the clear lines and hold them faithfully. If we're not if we're going to discipline our children like God says that we should and like he disciplines us, then we must draw them some clear lines, not to imprison them, but to improve them and to protect them. And kind of as an outgrowth of that, Christians need to draw some clear lines through education in many ways, this is closely related to parenting. But no, I just want to say this, I guess, to the other parents in the room, self and others. No matter what type of schooling children of Christian households are going to receive, whether it's public, private, or at home, Christian parents must be the primary educators for Christian children. We must do that. And so parents, and actually, let's go ahead and just broaden the responsibility here to all of the church. We have a responsibility to be sure that our children are getting a quality education through a Christian worldview. Because let's just be really honest about the fact that the world will teach them about sex if we don't. 
The world will teach them about the origins of the world and the nature of mankind if we don't do it. And the world will teach them about morality and honesty and self-control and what makes beauty and identity if we don't choose to do that. And so we've got to draw some clear lines in the way that we teach and the education that they receive, regardless of where they go to school. They need to have some clear lines in what they learn. Christians need to draw clear lines in the ways that we choose to worship and the ways that we choose not to worship, that we choose to do that in the most biblical pattern we can understand, and we don't relinquish those clearly drawn lines. I think it's advisable that we draw some clearly defined lines around our Bible reading and prayer times, around the habits that we make, that those habits are immutable and inviolable. And then probably the one that is most talked about when we come to a subject like this, Christians need to draw clear lines regarding the way that we relate to the opposite sex. This again is our, I think, where most of the the sermons along this line of today's, this is where I think most of them focus. And quite honestly, I think that's with good reason. There are a few things in the Bible around which God has drawn clearer lines than around marriage and sex. Few things in the Bible around which he has done that more ardently, more adamantly than he has in this area. And I think the reason for that is obvious because this is one of those things that once you start down the path, you tend to gain speed going down that path. And it becomes increasingly difficult to turn around once you start to gain momentum on this path. And so it's no wonder to me that many preachers have made warnings for us to draw clear lines around this particular sin. All of those preachers that have predated me, they were all right to do that. And we should all continue to be encouraged to do that. Particularly those of us who are married, there are any number of ways that we can and should draw some clear lines to protect the sanctity of our marriages. Vice President Mike Pence was heavily ridiculed not that long ago when he... uh, made it public knowledge that he never meets with a woman who is not his wife unless there is a third party at the meeting. And everybody just kind of picked on him. That, you know, went viral all over Twitter, was just created the Pence rule and started making that a joke. And it was just, you know, it was just Twitter fodder there for a little while for everybody to ridicule. But the reality is that with a huge number of public male figures being accused of sexual impropriety lately, You haven't heard Mike Pence's name in that list. You just haven't. Because his standards will not allow for that sort of thing to happen. And all of us Christian men would do well to hold a similar standard, to draw a line that is so clear as that. I didn't grow up that long ago. I wasn't a kid that long ago. But even then, I remember frequently hearing 1 Thessalonians 5.22 read and taught from the King James Version. In the King James Version, it says, Abstain from all appearances of evil. Now, you probably need to know that's not an accurate translation of the Greek. Okay, That's not actually what it says. All the modern versions say what the Greek says, which is abstain from every form of evil. However, however... There's something to be said from either translation about having the wisdom to avoid situations where evil can take root and grow like wildfire. And so I encourage you, practically speaking, make up your mind and draw clear lines about who you will and will not talk to when you're having problems at home or when you just want to get something off your chest. Draw some clear lines about that. 
Draw some clear lines. Make up your mind about who you will and will not text about that and any other personal matter. Or what you will and will not send in a text to anybody. Better make up your mind and draw some clear lines about what searches you know never to put into Google. And make up your mind and draw some clear lines about when and in whose presence you will use Internet connected devices. Make up your mind and just draw those lines and never allow them to be crossed. Now. For all of the biblical merits of being thoroughly decisive in all of these ways, the Bible also warns us that there are improper ways to go about it. Let me give you four very quick warnings. Number one, don't presume that when you draw these lines that they are equal with God's laws. Jesus has a notable conversation with the Pharisees on this matter in Matthew chapter 15. And I won't read the whole context this morning, but let me show you these verses from the early part of that chapter. The Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? We drew clear lines here. Why don't you make your disciples follow our lines? And he answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of keeping to the lines that you drew? It's a fair question. When you make your clearly drawn decisions, your uh, decisive ideas on par with the will of God, you're really into some trouble there. And so don't give in to that. For the sake of your tradition, you may have made void the word of God. Secondly, second warning here is don't fall prey to self-righteousness. Don't think, well, I've drawn these very clear lines. I've been very good to keep to them. I must be a really good Christian now. The minute you begin to think that, you will fail at it. The minute you begin to have confidence in yourself, you will lose the faith that you ought to have in Christ. And so all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all who are justified are justified by His grace as a gift, not by your own clearly drawn lines and how good you are. Number three, don't judge and you will not be judged. I think it's easy to find ourselves on either side of a certain issue here and look down on those who are on the other side. That never needs to be the case among God's people. The Apostle Paul said that there are some things which are open to interpretation by each individual Christian and family. And he said that on those matters, each one should be firmly convinced in his own mind. Romans 14 and verse 5. And just a few verses later, he said, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. And so we don't need to take this as an opportunity to judge, which leads to the fourth one. Don't view differences as potential for division, but as an opportunity for unity to live in in harmony with people who aren't just like us in every detail and to not feel perpetually pressured to make them just like us in every detail. And at the end of the day, then, because the sermon is not about the warnings here as much as it is about the why, at the end of the day, I want you to remember that what we're talking about, what we're talking about is drawing these boundaries to keep you from wandering away from God and into something that will ultimately destroy you. Why? Because the Bible practically commands it, because God commends it, and because our faith absolutely demands it. So maybe this morning for you, it's time for you to draw a line in the sand. That this morning, 
I'm drawing the line right here, right now, on today. I've lived unfaithfully on this side of the line, but I'm drawing it, and today I'm taking the step. This is the pivotal moment I'm never turning back. (laughs) There's several people that do that in the Scriptures, and it doesn't always lead them to happiness and rest and comfort, but it always leads them to joy in Jesus Christ. And so I want to finish... I want to finish this morning with a Bible passage that kind of puts the act of baptism into a very similar kind of light. This is from Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You hear the line in the sand drawn right there? This is it. This transaction is the step that I never turn back from. The old life of waste and loneliness and sin is dead and buried. The new life is lively and robust and full of joy in Jesus. But there's a line drawn in the sand between the two. And so I want to ask you this morning, which side of the line are you standing on? If you're ready to step over the line and commit your life to Jesus in baptism, why don't you come and tell me or one of the shepherds about that while we're standing and singing this hymn together.